0: All right, everybody, it's September 29th, 2022. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. And obviously, it's a little bit of a rough day uh, here in Florida. As you guys know, I'm I'm in Miami, uh, but Southwest Florida. Miami, of course, is Southeast Florida. Uh, Southwest Florida has been absolutely ravaged. I mean, I don't even know the word to say. Uh, by Hurricane Ian, which basically came in and hit landfall just a tick under a Category 5 hurricane. But it wasn't just the strength of the hurricane, this thing was absolutely massive, massive, massive. Um, It then went kind of up the coast and now it's more inland uh, where now it's a tropical storm, but it has done just extraordinary, absolutely devastating uh, damage to, uh, to my new my new home and a place I'm very proud to call home and a, pra- a place that I, I truly love and I think is a beacon of freedom for not only the United States, but for the entire world. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the hurricane. I'm gonna show you some videos. We're gonna talk about proper leadership during a hurricane and competency and all of that stuff. Uh, but I know a bunch of you have been emailing and asking, we're totally fine here in Miami. Uh, I've got a generator. We do have a leak in the roof. It's been raining for a couple of days. It's easing up right now. Actually, the weather, the weather is pretty decent uh, right now, um, but I'll talk a little bit more about what, what I know and some personal stuff related to Southwest Florida, which is a, an area, the, the Naples, Fort Myers, Sanibel Captive area, an area that I've been going through my entire life that I absolutely, absolutely love. Uh, but there were just crazy videos. I'm not gonna belabor it too much for you guys. Because I'm sure you've seen it, but there were just unbelievably uh, insane videos of of houses being pulled away and boats piling up on top of each other, 15 to 17 foot storm surge, Re- really just uh, crazy stuff. But uh, I want to focus a little bit since we do politics around here. Um, you know, these natural disasters happen all the time. We have hurricanes and fires, and also and earthquakes and all sorts of things that happen all the time. And some of it is, uh, it's up to God or whatever you want to call it. It's up to the universe, to the earth, whatever it is. Uh, And humans can do a certain amount to mitigate the damage. And for days now, Florida has been doing everything possible. And uh, and fortunately, because of Ron DeSantis, we we have a really competent uh, group of people here, really from the top. To the guys that'll be fixing the poles and draining the water and all of the stuff, but this is gonna this is gonna take weeks and months, and in some cases years. We'll get to that in just a sec. We're gonna throw the ad first, or we're gonna go right into. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let me show you a, a quick video. This is Governor DeSantis uh, talking about um, Hurricane Ian and, and what's going on here. Uh,
1: the impacts of this storm are are historic and the damage that was done uh has been historic and this is just off initial assessments there's going to be a lot more assessing that goes on uh in the days ahead Uh, but i think we've never seen a a flood event like this we've never seen storm surge of this magnitude and it hit an area uh, where there's a lot of people in a lot of those low-lying areas and it's going to end up doing extensive damage uh to a lot of people's homes
0: Okay, so DeSantis has been doing press conference after press conference, and he has called in every resource. He did speak to President Biden, it took Biden a little while to get back to him, but it sounds like federal funds will be available. I mean, uh, how about we stop giving billions of dollars to Ukraine and maybe put them into what's going on here in Florida, that would be something. Imagine spending our own dollars on ourselves, wouldn't that be something? Uh, Anyway, despite the competency, obviously there's just a crazy amount of damage. So here's, here's a quick compilation of some of Stuff. This is Southwest Florida. Mostly, what we're going to show you is the, the Fort Myers, Naples, Sanibel area. Um.
1: Did you get that? Get that oh. Wait, what is it that video? There's like three boats. Oh. Ah! No, there's four there's boats. Four of them. Four boats. Holy crap, that's why you don't go outside.
0: So I know all of these areas quite well. Uh, Connor, we're going to put up that last one in, in the box right there. I know this corner very well. I've been going to Sanibel Island my entire life. Uh, this is the corner of Cassie Bell and uh, Periwinkle, which is the main road there in, uh, in Sanibel. Jerry's Food Market is to the right. They've got parrots out there where if a woman walks by, they go, pretty lady. And that the store there you're seeing to the left, I think is called Mango Bay, I have bought a million t-shirts and uh, hoodies and sunscreen there. I bought this hat there, one of my many Sanibel hats. I got about ten Sanibel hats downstairs. I, I just can't imagine. You know, that was a little mom and pop shop run by a, a little old lady who's probably in her late eighties or early nineties, you know, like a true Florida woman with that Florida tan. Um, we'll see what happens to the island. My so my grandma bought a place down there in something around nineteen seventy two before there was even a bridge to the island. By the way, the bridge The Sanibel Causeway has been completely destroyed, Um, so there's no way on or off the island right now. Uh, But my parents, uh, eventually, when my grandma passed, took over the place. We have no idea if the place is standing. Obviously, property damage is what it is. It's more important that the people there are okay. I do have two friends uh, that live on the island full-time who I haven't been able to get in touch with. I mean, it's really just, uh, it's just extraordinary disaster, and uh, I just wanna be very clear about one thing. As as a new Floridian and someone that is so appreciative of everything that Florida has afforded me, uh, I'm gonna do everything I possibly can in the next, however long it is, to help these people rebuild, and I'll do fundraisers for free, and I'll donate money, obviously. And I've already talked to a million of their, you know, sort of the Florida influencer crew, and we're all willing to do absolutely anything uh, that we can do, so I'm hoping that my parents' place is still uh, standing and, uh, and we will see, it is, it is very weird. But of course, as you know, and now we can get into a little more of the regular show, you know, everything that happens in the world, whether a lightning strikes or there's an earthquake or, you know, a uh, volcano blows up or whatever it is, it always gets politicized. And of course, uh, that is what's happening here. And it's a, it's a damn shame because, you know, DeSantis has made such a clear uh, and, and straight line to taking care of the state. Uh, But you know the usual suspects, they're after him. And of course, they're also making this all about climate change. So we're gonna get to that in just a sec. Let me talk to you guys about relief band for a moment. Uh, You know, where Joe Biden and the the Democrats disastrous policy making you nauseous. I'm a little nauseous this morning. Did you know that one out of three Americans regularly suffer from nausea? Well, there's a solution. You've gotta check out relief band. Relief band is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and much more. Whether you need everyday nausea relief or just an occasional cure from nausea, their patented technology makes feeling sick a thing of the past. Forget the days of nausea pills that make you groggy and exhausted. It's like the name says, relief band is legitimately a band that you wear on your wrist to give you relief from nausea and you can change the intensity depending on how you're feeling to make it stronger or weaker. I can tell you firsthand that relief band actually works. I always look at my phone when I'm in an Uber or Lyft, I bring my relief band with me, no, how, no matter how long the car ride is, just for peace of mind. So if you want a band that actually works to relieve your nausea, check out Relief Band. We've got an exclusive offer just for Ruben Report listeners. Go to reliefband.com, use promo code Rubin, you'll save 20% off plus free shipping. That's reliefband.com and use promo code Rubin for 20% off plus free shipping. Okay, so look, there's an absolute humanitarian disaster ravaging this state right now. Every American should care about it, but you can feel it. You can just feel the way the media just, they would love for this to be a really horrific disaster with hundreds, if not thousands dead. I really mean that. They would love it because it would get them to pin something on DeSantis. It's just how it is. It's just what politics has become. It's it's just a sad reality, right? Uh, But it's not just that. It's also that they want to use a natural disaster to further whatever their political goals are, whether it's destroying DeSantis or telling us that everything is because of climate change. Here is uh, CNN's chief wizard, a man who was just demoted from his evening primetime slot to the morning. So if you don't do a good job and nobody likes it and nobody's watching on CNN, they take you from the evening, they put you on in the morning. Uh, And here he is explaining that this is obviously because of climate change. Can you tell us what this is and what effect climate change has on this phenomenon Well, we can come back and talk about climate change at a later time I want to focus on the here and now we think the rapid intensification is probably almost done Uh, so listen I just I'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change but what what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that that is happening now because it seems these storms are intensifying that's the question I don't think you can link climate change to any one event On the whole, on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but uh, to link it to any one event, um, I, I would caution against that. Okay, Well, based, uh, listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to int- intensify. Oh, guys, Don Lemon grew up in the area, so, you know, storms possibly are worse than what he remembers when he was a kid, so this is worth talking about on CNN. I mean, what an abject clown these people he does not deserve that microphone nor the chair that he sits in there is no evidence of it and the climatologist who we was talking to uh, was very clear about it he said we should caution about that he said climate change may they have no idea you know what there are horrific storms all the time there are massive earthquakes all the time we just because you want it to be something don lemon you you want it to be because of climate change, because that will usher in every other political thing that you want, right? They just want it so bad, but think how stupid, like profoundly stupid you have to be to say something like that on network television. Well, when I was a kid, uh, they, they, they were, so it's gotta be climate change. I mean, it's, it's just extraordinary, but it continues on CNN. Here is former sports anchor, Bill Weir, who apparently is not a sports anchor anymore. He does weather stuff and yeah, climate change.
1: Uh, Ian is coming. Ian's here. John, we just felt a marked increase in wind speeds within the last 10 minutes or so. I'm just in front of the memorial for Hurricane Charlie, which in 2004 devastated this town and sent a wake-up call to this community about the threats of living on the coast in a rapidly warming planet. Uh, As a result of that storm, they were the first community in Florida to put in a climate adaptation plan a sea level coastal resiliency plan that they're you know have been working on for years now and this will be the test but this is exactly what climate scientists have been warning about for a long time and now we get to see it out close john
0: yeah just made up nonsense rapidly warming climate, rapidly warming planet, and this is what climate scientists have been warming. Yes, some of them have been warning about it and some of them are saying it's not happening and some of them are saying it's cyclical. And in the 70s, they used to tell us about a cooling earth. I'm not even saying that climate change is not happening. I'm not even saying that man has not produced some of the elements that cause some of it. I'm actually not saying any of that at all. What I am saying is these people use, they have no idea, that is a former sports anchor standing out there telling you Uh, that if he was so afraid, if he was so afraid of it, would he be there? Would Barack Obama have his 30-acre estate on the water in Martha's Vineyard? Would John Kerry uh, have all the things that he has on all the water areas? It's just, these people are just liars and buffoons, and they will do anything for politics. And of course, the best thing you can do for politics is destroy your opponents uh, and sort of wish death on people. Here's Joy Behar from The View.
1: This is the quote from Governor DeSantis yeah. about climate change. Quote, I am not in the pews of the church of the global warming leftists. This is what he thinks about climate change. And now his state is getting hit with one of the worst hurricanes well, that perhaps, they will ever see.
0: He- Joy, you have no idea if this has anything to do with climate change. You have just simply no idea. What DeSantis is saying is just because the media and the left say that this is all climate change and all of these things, uh, and AOC says we have 12 years to live, and all of this stuff, it doesn't mean any of it's true. It simply does not mean any of it's true. And there's, you can, there's also a certain, a certain Joy, right? She, joy, she's Joy Behar, she's actually quite joyless, but when people are being hurt in a place that she doesn't like, then there's a certain joy there. Like, you see, he's saying this while his state gets hit. Really? really? It's just so incredibly dumb. Anyway, here is more of DeSantis last night. And uh, let's contrast that with, let's contrast Joy Bayard with what it sounds like to be a real leader uh, and a little bit of where's Biden.
1: When a natural disaster like this strikes a state, it is, it is common. It's, I, I think it's always the case that the state receives federal aid, given how politicized things are at the moment. Are you confident you're going to get the federal support Florida needs? So I actually spoke with the president, and he said he, he wants to be helpful. So we did submit a request for reimbursement for the next 60 days at 100%. Uh, that's uh, significant uh, support, but it's a significant storm. So we haven't heard back from it, but I'm actually cautiously optimistic that we do. I mean, as you say, Tucker, we live in a very politicized time, but, you know, when people are fighting for their lives, when their whole livelihood is at stake, when they've lost everything, uh, if you can't put politics aside for that, uh, then you're just not going to be able to. So I'll work with anybody who wants to help the people of Southwest Florida and throughout our state. Amen.
0: Yeah. That's what a leader does. That's what a leader is supposed to say. Um, It's not all about politics. And I am going to, for a moment, uh, give Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt for just one moment. And uh, and I understand he's not in charge and all that stuff. I'm gonna give whoever's pulling the strings the benefit of the doubt for the moment and assume that they are gonna do the right thing here and make sure that Florida gets all of those federal funds uh, and that they're not gonna somehow punish Florida because they don't like that Florida's become red or they don't like... Governor DeSantis, there, there's simply no doubt that the administration at some level would love DeSantis to take a hit here, right? It's just how politics is, it's just reality. But I'm gonna hope that they uh, do the right thing. And, and again, whatever I can do over the next months and, and years, I mean, some of this stuff is gonna take years, uh, I'm absolutely gonna do it because I am full of gratitude for the state, the people that live here, for Florida man, uh, for the gators and the iguanas and the frogs and everything else, and uh, there's, there's work to do. Uh, all right, we got a Ruben Report Locals Q&A for you. And, and it's actually, I'll shift my tone a little bit when we get there uh, in just a second, uh, because it's we've got a wide variety of questions that I quickly grant, glance through, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let me talk to you about real estate agents I trust real quick. You guys know that buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment, which is a ton of responsibility, and you need an agent who takes that seriously, which is why I recommend Real Estate Agents I Trust. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework, talking to every agent before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one, they only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the introduction and then follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. The agents they work with have long track records. They're the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience. They share your values and they're almost anywhere you wanna go. Just go over to realestateagentsitrust.com today and provide them with some basic info. Their team will contact you to make an introduction to a preferred agent in your town. And as I always say, then you move to Florida and live happily ever after. We're a little banged up at the moment, but it still has my stamp of approval. Okay, so let's get to the Rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. The questions are all over the place today, which is sort of what I wanted in light of uh, what's going on here. Summer says, did you used to despise conservatives or just disagree with them? You know, it's interesting because, look, I was a progressive, I was a lefty, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter. There's evidence of it online. It's all hard to believe, but it's true, all of it. Um, I don't think I had the hatred, like the pure hatred in my heart that many of the progressives did. And even my colleagues, when I was on the Young Turks, like people were always screaming and really angry and mean. And you can go back, I don't recommend you do, but you can go back and watch videos of me there. And I was always a little more calm. I was always a little more measured. I don't think I went out of my way all the time to call everyone a bigot and a racist and a homophobe. I have no doubt that I did it at some times. I have no doubt that I regret some of the things that I said about people that I'm sure I consider friends now, or at least that I consider decent politicians like Rand Paul and. Uh, Ted Cruz, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I don't think I had that like endless hatred and and so much of what progressives have. It's almost all they have right now. They have that and censoring you, right? There's like an incredible amount of hatred. Uh, there's an incredible amount of we want to control you. There's an incredible amount of we want to censor you. And there's not a lot of thoughtful, let's talk this thing out. I mean, where are these people? We, we I, I, again, I, say this all the time, like show me someone who is legit. I'm not talking about a, like a YouTuber troll, someone who is legit, who is in a, in government or works for an interesting nonprofit, uh, or is a, is a honest to goodness pundit, uh, who wants to have an honest conversation and defend the Biden administration, defend anything happening with the Democrats, defend wokeness and have that conversation. Of course I will have that conversation. But what was interesting was Years ago, when I first started doing the show back in you know, 2015, 16, when I was really waking up to all of this stuff, all I, I was still a lefty and I kept saying, hey, we, we liberals have to defend liberalism, all that. You, you guys get it. I, when I started talking to people on the right, suddenly all these people on the right were like, Dave, you know, I disagree with you on everything, but thanks for giving us a place to talk. And then all I got was endless hate on the left. So that is the asymmetry. And that asymmetry, actually, I just taped an interview with Dennis Prager yesterday about uh, his new book. Um, And we talk about it because if you view politics as everything, if it is your religious and your cultural uh, prism through which you view the world, you will be endlessly miserable and you will do all sorts of awful things. But if you have another way of looking at the world and politics is just a piece of that, you might be a little bit better. I sense that it's something like that. Uh, Lobrian says, since rumble went public, will CFVI stock convert to rum? Yes, it's, it's happened as of uh, basically last week, and that's why I rang the bell with the Rumble people. So CFEI was a SPAC. It's a special purpose acquisition company. It's a whole long story. It basically helps you as a private company go public faster. Uh, it was really, SPACs were like the thing for the last two years to help companies get public. And then there were a whole bunch of failures. The market really cooled. Rumble looks like it is going to be the SPAC of the year. That's sort of... All I can say on that specifically, uh, but yeah, RUM is now being traded on NASDAQ and I'm very, very proud of this company. Um, You know, I'm a consultant for the company. Obviously, I own a portion of the company. I'm not here to give anyone any kind of financial advice or stock tips or anything like that. Um, but I believe in this company and, um, you know, the locals team and I created locals and we merged with rumble. The locals team is awesome. We are building this stuff together. Um, there's, there's a lot of cool things happening right now. So yes, R U M, uh, is trading on NASDAQ right now. Uh, Alan says, hello, Dave, how did you and your family fare the storm? Yeah. As I said, we, we fortunately got spared here. It's, it's been raining pretty nonstop for the last like 72 hours until, until this morning where some sun is shining. Uh, we do have a, a leak in the roof in the house, so I've got a bucket downstairs. We're trying to get some roofers here, but obviously uh, it's a little a little tough at the moment. So we've got someone coming on Wednesday. Today's Thursday, man, I got six more days of, of a leak in my roof, not much I can do. Um, uh, although if, anyone, if any of you are roofers in the South Florida area and you wanna get in touch with me and swing by, that would be just fine. Um, You know, we've had some tree damage and and that kind of stuff. We've got a a window leak and whatever. It's it's really been fine here. And and to contrast that with what's happening um, in Southwest Florida, as I said, Sanibel Captiva. I mean, I I can't tell you, Sanibel is truly my favorite place on earth, like my favorite place. I've joked with my family um, over the years that if I was ever, because people always ask me if I would ever go into politics, and it's like the one thing that I honestly think I could have done maybe at some point and maybe could do would be that I could be mayor of Sanibel, just this like tiny island. And I would do everything I could to, to know the people there and, and, and make it. I just love that island. And it's going to take all, you know, they, the bridge is destroyed, like absolutely destroyed. It's, it's nuts. It's really nuts. Um, Kat says, what if any interest do you think Elon Musk has in rumble? So some of you may have seen this yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? Actually, it's been, it was two days ago. Thanks. Um, been a weird. 24 hours, Um, Elon Musk actually started tweeting back and forth with Dan Bongino and Chris Pavlovsky, who's the CEO of Rumble. uh, And there is some stuff to discuss. And I hope that there will be a sit down, whether or not I'm involved is irrelevant. um, But I think that he could really, uh, Elon could really help us, you know, either through Starlink or just being involved. I, I tweeted at him, I said, man, forget Twitter. Forget Twitter, it's damaged. It's damaged goods, man. You're buying a broken product and you know it if you're, if you're gonna buy it. Whether he wants to at this point is unclear to me. Um, but there is better options. And, and Rumble. I would say Rumble Locals is the option for a free and open internet. It is it, Free speech has gone public. It's as simple as that. And I hope that Elon will get involved. And the funny thing is it's like the company doesn't need money. It just went public. Like, there's a lot of money there. It's not even about money. It's about, it's about brain power and ethos and and spirit and all of those things that I think he could bring to the table, even if he just wanted to advise, something like that. Uh, Chuck says, you always say that you do not have to be a conservative, a Republican, a Christian, et cetera. You just cannot be a Democrat or believe in this woke garbage. Uh, It is a message that proves that you would rather different people unite against a common foe than push people away. What would you say to those who would rather push someone away or other or other them in the same way the left does instead of realizing we're on the same side? Look, this is this is an incredibly tough one because we all have complex relationships whether it's with family members, friends, Uh, You know, politics, because it has become so all-encompassing, you throw in the craziness of COVID where people who knew nothing about politics or nothing about civil liberties were suddenly being demanding that you be injected to things and people were not invited to their children's weddings or grandchildren's birthday parties. Like the, the extraordinary craziness of the last couple of years, like so much stuff has been unearthed. And in some ways, I think there's, there's an opportunity there. There's, there's goodness there because as, as shitty, that's the best word I can come up with, as shitty as it was all of it, it, it really made people think about what they want. What are you doing on this earth? What do you really believe? What type of state do you wanna live in? What government do you believe in? Are you doing everything you can uh, in, in the limited time that you have on this mortal coil? Um, but what do you do about the people who just endlessly wanna push away? I mean, look, at some point, I always believe in putting the hand out. And I'm I'm pretty decent at it. I think sometimes I'm probably not so decent at it. We all have different relationships that are very complex, all of those things. But you can only put your hand out so many times and have it smacked away. So I think sometimes you have to kind of let something go to have it come back. That would be my overriding point here. You know, I believe that right now there's this incredible opportunity for all of these people that don't really make sense to be allies, right? It's why I talk about Bill Maher so often. It's why when this podcast drops next week, I think you're gonna find it really interesting. It's like you've got these these liberals who are realizing that that in some essence liberalism is destroying liberalism. It's weird. Leftism is destroying liberalism. You've got these people with sort of libertarians who just want government out of absolutely everything. Then you've got sort of traditional conservatives, social conservatives, religious conservatives, now talking with libertarians, these libertarians who maybe they don't care about same sex marriage because they believe that your freedom is the highest thing. Then you have conservatives who maybe come from a religious perspective and maybe they're not thrilled with same sex marriage. I'm just using this one as an example for their own religious view, but they're realizing, hey, we do wanna live in the same country with these people and respect individual rights and make sure that it's not the government that tells you how to live, you have a chance to figure out how you wanna live, which is actually directly connected to that incredible speech that the Italian, the, the incoming Italian prime minister gave yesterday about the individual versus the collective. I think that's what I've been trying to uh, illuminate on this show for, for a couple of years now and, and in the books that I've written. So there's an opportunity for all of these people to unite, defeat the woke thing. And then we're gonna have to hash out some stuff and maybe it will not work. Really, maybe it will not work that this new alliance will, will fully fit together. But I think there's a chance and I think it's the only chance to get out of this madness. So, But at the same time, if you're just always putting your hand out to someone and they're always shooting you down and they're, they're not giving you anything, like, you're not, I don't think you're on this planet to be abused. So at some point you gotta cut your losses. Uh, Sarah says, Dave, did you ever date women? We're mixing it up today. Um, I did. I I sent a lot of women to mental institutions. I met a couple women in mental institutions, actually. Um, I did. I really, really tried Um, because nobody thought that I was gay. I I was very, you know, I was closeted really into my mid to late 20s. Um, So like, because I would go out, so if I went to a bar Usually, girls wouldn't think I was gay, so they were hitting on me. Like, I I, tr- I really tried, And actually, if any woman that I ever slept with or uh, dated or anything is watching right now, I apologize. I really do. I, I personally apologize to a couple of girls after. Like, I really was trying. And then at some point, it just kind of didn't work, if you know what I mean. Like, I really, really tried. And uh, we're getting too personal today. It's, it's early. We haven't had lunch. Um, but I really, I tried, and it's like, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, and that's why, you know, being in the closet is such a, it's such an awful thing. You know, there's only room for one in there. And there are some people that it's obvious that they can't be in the closet, right? They come out and they're immediately like, there's no business like show business. Like there's some of those. And then there's just other people. And um, it, it in some ways it's harder for other people. I, I used to kind of envy these like over the top gay people. Cause I was like, Oh, it must be kind of so easy for you. It's so obvious. Um, and I never felt that way. So I felt like sort of, doubly a freak and I struggled because of it and drugs and and all sorts of stuff but I obviously I'm on the other side of that and I and I'm living a good life right now and I'm a new father with another kid that could come literally any minute at this point oh which reminds me if uh if I have a couple days off the show we'll obviously post something somewhere but like the surrogate too could pop at any moment so you know I might disappear for a little bit we'll see um but yes I dated women and, uh, you know, nobody's perfect. What can I tell you? They call him a gold star gay. You guys know about that? If, you, if you've never slept with a woman, they say you're a gold star gay. Not What can I tell you? Uh, Kevin says, how was your first month juggling your schedule and being a new dad? You know, it's been, it's been pretty good. I actually, my mornings have really changed. So I, I really love my mornings now. So I'm, I'm an early riser about 7 a.m. or so. We're trying to get Justin to sleep till about eight o'clock. Uh, obviously there's feedings at night and you know you wanna get these kids to stretch. He's on the big side, he's like 85th percentile. So because he's big, he's stretching in his sleep longer and longer. So even though he's only about six weeks old, he's almost stretching to like five hours at night uh, over the last couple of days, which is really great. But I start my mornings, I, I get him, uh, I prop him up on the, he's, you know, he's wrapped in his swaddle. This is like a, if you haven't seen this thing, it's like, a, it's like a straight jacket for children. And they wrap him up and I put him in his swaddle and uh, I prop him up with the blankets and pillows and things. And then I have my coffee and I sit there and I, I talk to him. It's just in the last couple of days that he's now responding, like where there's some smiles that seem like they're like genuine, like I'm looking at you smiles, not just kind of like looking at the universe kind of thing. Um, so it's been, you know, my day, I'm doing the show and show related things and working on things basically from, you know, eight to, to five or so, but I'm see you know, I work at home, so I get to see him throughout the day. Uh, And then at night, we get a little bit of time and and all that stuff. It's been been good, nice, and uh, I'm blessed, I suppose. Uh, Talway says, what are your thoughts on the collapse of the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines? And how do you think this will affect the balance of power in Europe as winter starts to set in? So first off, Phoenix, can we make sure we do like a real recap on this Nord Stream thing next week? Because we couldn't really get to it this week. Maybe I'll do a little bit tomorrow. But basically, the Nord Stream... Uh, pipeline, not the Nordstrom pipeline, which is what uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre called it. That's a uh, very expensive shopping store that you can go to, Um shopping store, there you go. Um, it blew up and this is uh, now unclear, like who blew it up, how Germany's gonna get energy. It's a, it's a whole freaking thing. People are saying Russia might have sabotaged their own pipeline. Uh, there is this video circulating from like a year ago where Biden says that, you know, the Nord Stream 2 basically will not be functional. Don't worry about that. And it's like, did we just blow up the Nord Stream pipeline? And if we did, like, how is that not an act of war? It, it's really, really messy. Um, we'll, we'll get more into it. Uh, let me get a little more info for you and compile some stuff and, and we'll discuss it a little bit more. Uh, Xavier says, what do you think the left will do if Trump wins in 24? They have built him up to be such an evil super villain that no response will be off limits. Imagine the delicious tantrum that will be thrown by Joy Reid, Joy Behar, Don Lemon, et cetera. Why are they all named Joy? Everyone named Joy is so joyless, it's incredible. Look, this is a huge problem. This is a huge problem, I think this is a huge problem whether it's Trump or DeSantis. And in some ways you could argue it's a huge problem whether it's Trump, DeSantis or any other Republican. This was, the, this was the thing. Watch my videos from six years ago where I kept saying, guys, we gotta stop calling everybody Nazis because just because they disagree with us on taxes or borders or whatever it might be, this is when I was a lefty, it does not mean that they are Nazis. They are not foot soldiers in the German army in World War II. But this is what the left has created. This has now permeated up the entire political echelon of the left. There are no moderate Democrats left. And if there are, they're so cowed And coward, they're such cowards that they they do not fight the more radical opponents. So the Democrat Party has been decimated. And what you've been left with is now also a generation of woke children who are genderless and think that racists are coming to get them and all this stuff. This is a huge toxic disaster. And I have simply no doubt that especially if Trump was to win, I don't know that the machine would let him win, but even DeSantis, and I think you could argue any Republican, I really think so, that they will unleash violence on the streets again. I mean, think about it. We had all the, what happened to Black Lives Matter? What happened to that thing when they were ransacking two years or, you know, summer of love and basically a year of ransacking all these cities? They stopped doing it when Trump wasn't president anymore. They are connected to the Democrat machine. It is obvious. Antifa, where are they? Why aren't they still burning down? Connor, have you called any of your old friends in Seattle? Are they still there? The whole place. It's like, where are all these people? They are the foot soldiers of the Democrats. They work through NGOs and nonprofits, and they know when to turn the violence on and off. And uh, I suspect that if a Republican was to win, that there would be, it would be endless mass violence. Um, But that is not a reason for Republicans not to win. we, We need Republicans to win. Otherwise, we just continue going down that route and it ain't good. Uh, Shmoo says, Dave, I would love to know what you wrote on that napkin on Gutfeld. So we played a portion of it as the cold open yesterday. If you didn't see, we were doing a segment about uh, Rashida Talib from The Squad. And she is a communist and really deeply anti-American Jew hater. Like she's just like a disgusting creature. And, uh, and, and she just hates America. She really just fundamentally hates America. So there was a clip about her that they were showing on Gutfeld, and I, you know they give you a rundown before the show, so I'm able to compile a couple of thoughts. So I, I said a whole bunch of stuff about her, and then I wrote on a napkin what I really thought about her, and I handed it to Greg. Uh, suffice to say, It was not very nice. And as I said on Gutfeld's program, if Greg had read it on air, I would have never been allowed back on Fox. And I'm pretty sure if I was to read it here or tell you what I said, we'd be demonetized and maybe get a strike on the channel. But let's just say you could probably, let's just say it was two words and you could probably figure it out. Uh, Ratafield says, so what was it like to have your first experience away from Justin? Did you do a lot of video calls? God knows the first time is the roughest and coming home is the best. So, you know, I was away, I was in LA and New York had about five, six days and yeah, David and I FaceTimed and I said, hi, and there were plenty of pictures. And, uh, you know, in a way it was sort of nice to get away um, because I do like traveling and I was traveling for the right reasons too, right? Doing Bill Maher and going to Rumble and all this stuff and i got to see some old friends so like that was that was nice um but i'm sure it'll get easier over time because i was obviously thinking about him a lot and it's like i didn't want his the first smile as i said he's smiling more now i didn't want the first smile i don't think he's talking just yet but as as more of those milestones come you know he stands up for the first time he walks for the first time all that stuff it's like you want to be around there for some of that. Uh, Larry says, I look forward to the talk with Bill Maher. If you'd like to tease, what was the highlight of your conversation with him? So first off, uh, just confirm if I'm wrong on this. For the audio podcast will come out this Sunday for subscribers only for Bill Maher's subscribers. Is that right? This Sunday? On Apple. For Bill Maher's subscribers. Then one week later, the full thing will come out audio only and they'll be releasing video clips throughout the week. So I wish I could... He's more now, talk about it more now. Uh, but as you heard me say yesterday, we had a, it was the longest podcast he ever did. We really, like we churned through the stuff. We didn't just do politics for two hours. We danced in and out. We talked about movies we love. We talked about struggling as standups. We talked about philosophy. We, we told personal stories. He asked me a lot about sex, which I, I really didn't love. Like, it, it was just like a lot and it was everything. And, and it, it, I will say this, It did what I hoped it was going to do the day before I left uh, when I was ending the show and I was saying, what what do I want to come of it? What I want to come of it is, hey, let's see if there's some mutual respect here. Uh, Let's see if this is the beginning of something. Not like, oh, I had to take you out or you got to take me out. That was simply not the purpose. But I think as the conversation went and it was getting stronger, we both could feel it. And maybe it was the tequila and maybe it was the weed, but not really. We both, I think, sense that as this conversation went longer, and we and we went in and we danced into some of the politics stuff, that there was a mutual respect um, that was being birthed right within that, and it was all happening on camera. So it's it's really really good. I think you're going to dig it. So October second, on the through the Apple paywall, audio only, it'll be out on his channel. October 9th, the full video uh, will be on uh, YouTube, and I would encourage you all because I know you guys are curious about this thing, like really watch the full thing. I know they're gonna bring out clips as well, but I think if you watch the full thing, you'll see like a really nice arc. Like the first few minutes, like we really had to feel things out. Like, you know, I'm walking into this guy's house. He, for all he knows, I'm coming to get him. And I sat down and it was like, is he coming to get me? We had to like, we had to like do some work, but, but then it became very easy and good. And he's invited me back to his place to play ball with Woody Harrelson, pretty cool. So I don't know that I'm ever going back to L.A., but we'll see. Uh, Anne says, "Just curious, how your family, especially your parents, feel about your rise to internet and TV fame?" Um, I would say, for the most part, pretty good. I know my parents are very proud of me and proud that I became a success. And you know, they were there for all the lean years, right? There were a lot of lean years doing stand-up and struggling and standing on street corners and handing out tickets and having no money and going into debt and just, you know, nothing. I had a buddy who worked for a food distribution company who would just literally deliver me tuna. For like two years, I just ate tuna out of giant industrial-sized cans, probably gonna die of mercury poisoning one day. Um, so they, they were there for all that. So to see it on the other side, I think they're very proud about the work that I've put into this and that I've built these companies and done all this stuff um we definitely don't align politically fully um i've definitely sort of let's say evolved or i've shifted let's say a little bit more than them or i see things a little bit differently than them so we still get into it on some of that stuff but as i always tell my parents it simply doesn't matter if we disagree on everything politically and i really mean that it's like they're my parents i'm their son so it just doesn't matter whether we agree that abortion shouldn't exist or should be at 15 weeks or anything else um, but that's also to get back to one of the earlier questions about why you have to have like a philosophy beyond politics. Otherwise you'll end up hating everyone around you. You know, if, if everything you believe is through politics, you're gonna find a difference that you have politically with your parents, with your siblings, with your spouse. And if, if politics is like the sum totality of the way you view the world, you're going to start applying those thoughts to all of those people around you and, and really being angry at all of those people. And I really do my best not to, uh, to do that. My family, for the most part, is pretty good about having political discussions. It's definitely gotten harder since COVID. I'm sure you guys feel that too. Like My family used to be able to all sit around a table. We could talk about foreign policy. We could talk about abortion. We, I write about this in Don't Burn This Book. We were really great about that extended family aunts and uncles. Every holiday, it was like 30 people at a table. Everyone screaming, fighting, doing all this stuff. Dessert got served, we put it down and it was like, we were good to go. COVID made that more difficult um, for my family. I have no doubt that COVID made it more difficult for, for almost everyone's family, for you watching this right now. Um, but anyway, to directly answer your question, I think I think they're pretty proud and they're probably watching right now. So there you go. Uh, Paula says, I'm curious to know if traveling felt differently for these for you this time with having a baby at home? If so, did that surprise you? We sort of got to that one already. Yeah, it did, well, I just thought about him, right? Like, you know, usually I think about David or something, but like now I'm thinking about another person and next week there'll be another person here. And, uh, and that's also what's kind of been nice um, about parenthood in a way. It's like, you know, so much of what I do, I do a show called The Rubin Report. Everywhere I go, people say hi to me. People are nice to me for the most part but like, there's a lot of stuff in my life that's about me. And that's kind of weird um, to some extent. It's, it's really great. It's, it's a validation of doing what you think you should do in the world and hopefully having a little talent and refining it and all of those things and, and making the right business decisions and whatever. But you know, most of the places that I go to, and I think anyone that's a public person to some extent, you find this. It's like, it's kind of always about you that's not necessarily the best thing for your ego or for your just like psychological makeup all the time. So the fact that now there is this other human in this house and it's really all about him. uh, I'm very happy about that. That's why in the mornings when I sit there with him and I have my coffee and I'm just playing with him, it's like, I'm not thinking about politics. I'm certainly not thinking about Twitter. Um, But I guess like above us in that moment is, well, I also got to save the world now, not just for me, not just for David, but for this guy. So. Let's do it. Chad says, assuming the house and the senate flip to majority conservative, what do you believe the top 3 priorities should be? Well, first off, they I would let's just do one basically. They must destroy everything woke that is in the government. Period. Every single piece of equity that has been put into every bill. The idea that if you get vaccinated, it it should have something to do with your skin color, or that if we had a natural disaster, it should have anything or any of the gender stuff, all of that, it must all be eliminated. We need a czar of anti-wokeness. We need someone to go in and go, let's find every place that equity instead of equality has been put into our government. And whether that, and we have to probably fire all sorts of heads of departments. We should probably, I'll do a couple more. We should probably cut budgets. How about we cut every freaking federal budget by 20% right off the top? Every single one. Guess what? Shit's still gonna work, okay? The train's still gonna show up on time or not. Whether it does or not, it's irrelevant. You know what I mean? Like, how about we cut budgets? How about we put money back into the the people's wallets? We get rid of the woke stuff. um, And then we start to, govern somewhat competently. How about we hire some people that are supposed to be hired? So look, if the, if the Republicans take back the House and the Senate, obviously Biden is still president and the Democrats still have the presidency, the executive branch, but it's like, how about instead of staffing people based on the color of their skin and who they sleep with, we start staffing with functional people. And really we, like, we just all kind of stand up straight with our shoulders back and be like, man, we got to the precipice of giving away this country. We got to to the to the end of the road with this woke collective nonsense and and now let's let's all be adults again and let's fix this thing. Because it's either we fix it or we just slide. We just slide. Speaking of fixing it, I'm going to be spending a lot of time trying to fix things here in Florida and if any of you watching right now if there's anything you think I can do to help whether it's interviewing someone or doing a fundraiser, which of course I'll do for free, or showing up somewhere or whatever it might be, please uh, do let us know. The best way to get me is at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh And parts one and two, I think, of my uh, interview, this is really interesting one, a little off the beaten path from maybe what we normally do on a domestic side, uh, with the political director to Hungarian Prime Minister, Viktor Orban. His name is Balash Orban. Super interesting. You know, Hungary... Uh, is going through an interesting thing right now because they are really trying to protect their borders. They're trying to protect their culture. They're trying to defend individual rights. They're trying to figure out how to get through the mess that now we're seeing here in our country. Uh, And we had a really, really uh, nice talk. uh, Parts one and two are up right now. The full thing is up at rubenreport.locals.com. And we don't have a cold close for you today because of uh, the Florida thing. I didn't wanna do anything kinda silly or nonsensical. Uh, anyway, if you're here in the great free state of Florida, I uh, I wish you well. Hope you're doing okay. And if you're anywhere else, I still wish you well and hope you're doing okay. And we will be back at it tomorrow just because of our short week this week. Uh, we're not gonna do a panel. I'll be doing a regular show. We'll hit that Nord Stream thing and a couple other things. Um, nice day. Goodbye.